بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسائدر الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجين اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجين If I can kindly ask everyone to take the front seats please جزاكم الله خيرا when you come in the masjid, if you can fill in the seats from the front so that people coming behind, it's easy for them uh, to join in the back, insha'Allah. Jazakumullah khaira. The stories of the Qur'an are a living message, a living admonition, a living guidance, and a living warning until the day of Qiyamah. The stories of the Qur'an Although they took place in the past, yes, they've gone, they've transpired, they've happened. But the lesson remains. It's a living lesson. And they are addressed to you and me. Many of the stories of the Quran are related to the Bani Israel. That doesn't mean we're speaking about Bani Israel. Bani Israel have gone. They have gone. Their time is over. The Quran has been directed to you. And for you, there is a lesson in there. When Allah speaks about Musa alayhi salam, Allah speaks about Zakaria alayhi salam, Allah speaks about Adam alayhi salam. The address isn't to them, the address is to you. But how can you apply that to yourself today? Unlike this, the Quran speaks about many stories. And Allah speaks about these stories and He says the purpose of these stories. Sometimes He says they are ibrah, a lesson. Sometimes He says they are a maw'idah. They are an admonition. They are nakalan, a deterrent for people to see that, look, this is what happens to people that indulge in such activities. Sometimes Allah says bayanan. This is a clear, open explanation. At other times Allah calls them ayat. This is a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And sometimes Allah refers to them as huda and guidance for people to come. So from amongst the many stories of the Quran, and remember no story of the Quran is just a story. It's not just a narrative. It's for you and I. Allah has revealed the Quran to you so that you can take a lesson. The Quranic stories are not for us to look at them people and say, oh, look what they did. Look what he did. Look what she know. How can I ensure that I don't fall in the same trap? I don't make the same mistakes. And how can I be inspired by the people who did good in those stories? Of such stories in the Quran, one of the stories is the story of the people of the Sabbath, Ashabu Sabt. Many lessons for us to take. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, some stories of the Quran, there is only one mention in one place. Some stories Allah mentions twice. There's other stories that Allah makes reference to them again and again and again. One such story which is repeated in three places in the Quran. Allah makes reference to the story in three places in the Quran. Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Al-Nisa, Surah Al-A'raf, to show how important this story is, is the story of Ashab Al-Sabt, the people of the Sabbath. Now what happened with the people of the Sabbath? Now amongst the Yahud at the time of the Prophet wasallam, they would claim and they would say that our people of the past, the Bani Israel, they would not go against the commands of Allah. They did everything they were supposed to do. They were righteous 
uh, in, uh, people of integrity and they would not contravene the rules of Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to show that that's not true. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's not true at all. So normally when the Quranic stories appear, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, make a mention of this story. Tell them this story. But when it came to this particular story, the words very different. Allah says, Was'alhum, was'alhum anil lati kanat al bahr. O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, rather than me telling you the story, why don't you go and ask them, the people of the book, ask them about this story. And then you will expose them and know that they are lying, that our people of the past, look, there's good and bad in everybody. There's good and bad in everybody. Quran speaks about it as well. When it came to the Bani Israel and the people of the Quran, there were some that were righteous. There were some that were practicing. Some that were on the book of Allah and the guidance of Allah. And then there were others who weren't. Amongst Muslims, we see some people are on the right deen. They are practicing. And there are others that don't. We, we, we speak to them. We tell them that this is not Islam. You don't represent us. So in all communities they are, but they were coming and saying, no, we were just pure and perfect. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, go and ask them this story. What does he say? وَاسْأَلْهُمْ عَنِ الْقَرِيَةِ الَّتِي كَانَتْ حَاضِرَةَ الْبَحْرِ Ask them about the people who lived in a coastal village. And it's referring to uh, Eliyat today, Eila. It was called Eila at that time. Eliyat is a coastal, uh, it's a coastal city uh, in Palestine. And Now the people, because they live by the sea, by occupation, they were fishermen. So their livelihood was through fishing. So these people were fishermen. So the Quran says that these people, they broke the command of Allah. They transgressed the limit of Allah regarding the Sabbath. How was it? Is that So the instruction was because anybody that wants to prove that they are righteous and they are following the deen of Allah, Allah's promise is that I will test you. I will test you. Ibrahim wanted a child and Allah didn't give him a child. And then he gave him a child in old age and he was very attached to him. And despite that, Allah said, I'm going to test you. And he told him, right, sacrifice that son. Now it was a very hard challenge. I'm not saying it. Allah is saying in the Quran, in the it was a huge test. But he carried out the test. And Allah says, They passed the test. They surrendered to the will of Allah. And that's what Islam is all about. That's what the deen of Allah is all about. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we decided to test them. And we tested them by saying that you can go fishing on any of the days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, but not on Saturday, not on Saturday. You can't fish on the Saturday. Now to make the test a test, the test isn't supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be challenging. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that throughout the week, the fishes would come right to the top of the sea. You could see them. You could literally go and pick it up with your hand. And they were in multitudes. But on a Saturday, they would go right to the bottom of the seabed. It would become very difficult. Uh, sorry. On a Saturday, they would come up. The rest of the week, they would be disappear. And the Quran is saying, Shurra'an. They were like streets. They were like streets of fish. They were coming right to the top. 
on the Saturday, rest of the days, it would be so difficult to try and fish in the ocean. So some people from amongst them, they decided, why don't we do this? That the night before, let's place some nets. Let's place some kind of mechanism that the day the fishes appear, now we're not allowed to fish on the Saturday, they get trapped in there. And then as soon as Sunday morning comes, we'll go and collect the fish. We've not fished on Saturday, have we? Really? We're fishing on Sunday. So they decided to do this. Now, whilst they decided to do this, uh, Allah subhanahu wa bima kanu yafsukun. Allah said, we wanted to test them. We wanted to test them. Now, whilst this was going on, what happens is they became into three groups, the Quran says. The people split into three groups. So one, we would call them the criminals. They are breaking the law of Allah. They are doing something which is haram, according to their Sharia. Allah told them no fishing on a Saturday and he was clearly breaking the command of Allah. So that was group number one. Group number two were those people who were outspoken. They would speak to them. They would tell them. They would warn them. They would remind them. They would admonish them. Don't do this. This is wrong. What you're doing is going against the law of Allah. They used their voice. This was group number two and they continued. They didn't give up. They continued to use their voice. This is the second group that we speak about. And then there was a third group. So the people split into three groups. Group A or group one are the criminals. The people breaking the law. Group two are those who are protesting against it. They are outspoken. They are speaking up. They are speaking their mind. They are telling them what they should and shouldn't be doing and reminding them constantly. And group three and group three are the people I want to address today. Group three were those people who said, and Allah repeats their words in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The third group was the group of the people who chose to remain silent. The third group was the group that chose to say on the sideline, on the other side of the fence. They said to these people, we're not even talking about the criminals now. We're talking about the two groups. One group were the ones that were outspoken and addressing them, telling them, don't do this, it's wrong. Stop what you're doing. Stop breaking the law. The third group said to the second group, they said, What's the point in you telling them? They're not going to listen. They're not going to stop. They're not going to listen to you. They're not going to stop what they're doing. They're so engrossed in it. Why are you telling them? Allah's going to destroy them anyway. Either Allah muhlikuhum, meaning Quranic tafsir mentions, either Allah is going to send a punishment on them in this world, or shadidan, or in the akhirah, Allah will take care of We know that. We know that they're going, they're breaking the law. We know that. It's very clear. But you making a noise, it's not going to stop them. It's not going to make any difference. It's not going to do anything. So just don't stop doing it now. Stop telling them. Don't say anything. Just stay silent. Group number two responded. And the Quran speaks. What did they say? Do you know what they said? 
Group number two said the people that were protesting against those breaking the law, the law of Allah, what they were saying, they said, we are doing this primarily, primarily. Yes, we believe you, we understand. What we are saying to them might not make a difference to them. They might continue breaking the law, but primarily the reason we speak up is so that we can present an excuse in the court of Allah. When Allah asks me and you tomorrow on the day of judgment, Allah is not going to ask you and me, did you stop the hand of Bibi Netanyahu? Allah will not ask you that. But Allah will ask you, there was a genocide taking place. There was a massacre. What did you do within your capacity? Or did you stay on the other side of the fence and remain silent? So Allah, this is, this is the thing. Don't many people I'm addressing specifically, mashallah, many of you are active and you've remained active and you'll remain active. But my address specifically is to those people who are on the other side of the fence. They might be your uncles, your grandparents, your parents, some of the elders. Maybe we might adopt this thing thinking, no, 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 we shouldn't say anything. Stay silent. Don't say anything. What's the difference? What, what, if I don't drink, if I drink Coke, what's the difference? What difference will it make? Why should I go to the march? What difference will it make? Brother, sister, it's not about what difference will it make? What face are you going to show to Allah on Qiyamah? That's the difference it will make. This is what they said. Don't tell us not to instruct them. We're going to carry on and our primary reason is not, we don't know, we can't control them. They seem so engrossed in breaking the law. But قَالُوا مَعْذِرَةً إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ Remember this ayah. قَالُوا مَعْذِرَةً إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ Primary reason why we are doing what we're doing is so that we can show our faces on the day of Qiyamah to Allah that this becomes an excuse. We can absolve ourselves in the court of Allah when Allah will ask. Do you think Allah is not going to ask? Do you think Allah is not going to ask? Hassan al-Basri, I came across something mind-blowing today when I was looking at the ayat of this Quran. I've never come across this before. Hassan al-Basri rahmatullahi mentions this was about eating fish. He says the killing of a believer in the sight of Allah is much more serious than eating a fish. These people were eating fish than they weren't supposed to on a Saturday. He says the killing of one Muslim in the sight of Allah is so much more grave than eating a fish. And do you know what happened? Do you know what happened in the end? The Quran goes on to mention, Allah says, they didn't listen. They carried on fishing on the Saturday in the, in, in, in the plot that they made. They continued. Allah says, we saved the people that were reminding them, the people who spoke, use their mouth, use their tongue. Allah says, we saved those people. And the people that were breaking the law, Allah says, we punish them. How do we punish them? Allah says, we made them into monkeys. We disfigured them. In this world, the adab of akhirah is separate. The Quran doesn't speak about the third group. The Quran remains silent. Allah says the people who spoke, Allah spoke about them and said, Allah, we saved them. Why? Because they did, they spoke up. Even though they weren't listening, they still spoke up. 
The second group, the first group, who are the people who are the perpetrators, the breakers of the law? Allah speaks about them. And the third group who remain silent, who just let things happen, and they chose to just adopt silence. The Quran remains silent regarding them. And some of the scholars have mentioned, some of the scholars have mentioned, they were also punished as well. Because when the blow is being broken in front of you, and you can't speak up, when there's a genocide taking place and you are silent, then you are equal to the perpetrator of the crime. Can't you speak? Don't you have a voice? How many narrations are there where we find that Quran says, Allah says, Allah will not destroy your people as long as the people living there are muslihun. He didn't say salihun. He didn't say that they are pious. He says they are rectifiers, meaning it's not sufficient in the times that we are living now. It is not sufficient for you to just be a pious person. You must work to rectify the community locally and globally within your capacity. We can't change the world, but you do what you can within your capacity. Allah calls you the best of people. You don't just become the best automatically. As long as you're doing two things, you're enjoying the good. We're quite good at this. But we neglect the second one and we expect to be among this party. Quran clearly says, You prohibit, you stop, you prevent anyone doing wrong. There is a mass genocide taking place. We can't stop talking about it because every time you are silent, every time you don't move, every time you don't speak, the genocide is continuing of innocent civilians. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter who they are. They are innocent civilians and you have a responsibility to speak up. You know, the Prophet Sallallahu said that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala sent Jibreel Alayhi Salam to a particular village. And he said, these people of this village have committed so many sins, upturned the village, crushed the people. Jibreel arrives and he goes back to Allah and he says, Oh Allah, there is a person in this village. He has not disobeyed you. He has not disobeyed you equivalent to the blinking of an eye. How can we upturn it? He's so pious. Allah says, start with him. Begin the destruction with him. When the law of Allah is being broken all around him, he didn't even frown. You know, sometimes we say, what difference will it make? Who's going to see if I don't drink Coke or if I don't go to McDonald's or if I don't drink from Starbucks? What difference will it make? You know who's seeing? Allah will see it. Allah did not see. Who was going to see the frown? Who's going to see the frown? And somebody frowns, who sees it? Nobody. But Allah knows. Allah says, He has not even frowned once regarding the laws of Allah being broken all around him. So begin the destruction with that individual. Therefore, therefore, don't think that it's going to go to waste. So from now on, if it means not having any Coke products, do it. When people are telling you this is effective, don't say, what difference will it make? If it means abandoning Starbucks, not going to McDonald's, not shopping at M&S, not buying from Puma and HP, that means we do it. We do it collectively. We do it as an ummah and we do it to make a difference. And the greatest difference it will make, it will be to your integrity and your iman. You know, years ago, when the French cartoons came out, 
and they said, don't buy products from the French, L'Oreal. I, I personally experienced this. I thought if I have a shampoo and it's L'Oreal, I thought to man, what difference will it make? But I chose myself, this is a personal thing I'm relating to you, for whatever, three months, four months, I said, you know what, this is something I've been using for years. But I'm not going to, nobody knows, it's the first time I'm speaking about it. But inside my heart, I could feel, I could feel a level of integrity. I could feel a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In honor of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I could feel my iman increasing because in an individual capacity, although nobody knows, I know that Allah knows. And I know that I'm doing something. So in this moment and time, be very wary and wise. Muslims are strategic people. Muslims have a vision. If you are amongst those people who've been forwarding random lists of things to boycott, I ask you, please make Toba. Please make Toba. Why? Because I believe you are part of the problem. You are creating despondency within the Ummah. When it comes to the Ummah collective issues, take advice from the people who are experienced in this. This is not how it works. Sending list upon list upon list upon list. You're creating despondency in the people. You're making people lose hope. That's not even practical. Be real. Be real. That doesn't work. Just stop living then. Stop living everything from the Zionist. That's not how it works. The people who have experience and are working in this field are telling you to give up only certain products. We have to do it strategically, collectively, like it was done in South Africa. Over a period of time, choose certain things. Not just sending list upon list and list. No one's going to follow that. Just making it difficult for people. That's not how it works. Friends of Al-Aqsa advising only three areas. Coca-Cola, Puma, HP. And you can add to the other well-known organizations that are funding genocide. MS funding genocide. McDonald's, funding genocide. Starbucks, funding genocide. And Coke, you don't have to have it. I know it's difficult. It's Friday today. A lot of us will be having takeaway tonight. And we're so used to it. But think about the Palestinian innocent children that are dying. And you might think, what's my Coke? But well, if everybody thinks the same thing. What if everybody... This is what they said. What difference will it make? If you think it's not going to make a difference, at least say, On the day of judgment, in an individual capacity, at least you can show your face to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That, oh Allah, I couldn't do much, but I did do this because I have some level of decency and integrity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding. I end by mentioning two things. So we spoke about certain things we can give up. Secondly, very, very important. The march that's taking place tomorrow. Make an effort to attend. MashaAllah from throughout the country, there are many coaches even from this masjid as well. Coaches going from everywhere. There's actually, we've been ringing coach companies up and down the country and there are no coaches available. Literally no coach. This has never happened. There are no coaches available to book. And this was from the beginning of the week. From the start of the week, there is absolutely no coaches available, no seats. And we've got names of probably over a thousand people that are on a waiting list wanting to join. So therefore, if you've not got a seat on any of the coaches, use other public transport. National Express have a service. It takes you together in three hours. You can use the train. Many people are going by car. And if you are going there and taking part in the march tomorrow in London, 
advice is remember this is a peaceful protest don't harm the cause of palestine this is a peaceful protest don't do anything that will jeopardize our efforts that will get you and the rest of the Muslim community in trouble. Yes, there will be provocations from right-wing groups that intend to be there. But remember your rights. Remember it's a peaceful protest. And anybody doing anything that doesn't go along with the idea of it being a peaceful protest, speak to them. Stop them. It's your responsibility. You see any brothers, sisters doing anything and acting like hooligans on that day? That's not who we are. That's not what we're about. Remember, whatever we do, any type of activism must be within the framework of the Sharia and within the framework of the law. Everybody will keep this in mind. And the last thing I'm going to mention, I can hardly see, <clears throat> I can hardly see in our gathering anyone wearing the Palestinian kufiya. Hardly. This is the few. One, two, three, four, mashallah, the back five. Like, a lot of us don't want to speak. A lot of us don't want to take action. At least at a time when they're trying to wipe out Palestine, Palestinians, and the cause totally from the map, and totally, you can see it clearly with your hands. They're wiping them out. This is an ethnic cleansing. This is your duty as a believer to do everything to elevate the cause of Palestine and to revive it. And one simple way of doing it is by wearing the kufiya. It's a symbol of the Palestinians and their struggle. And I'm sure most of you have a Palestinian kufiya. You have, haven't you? If you have, right, this is not the time for it to be in your cupboards or in your laundry baskets. It's a time for you to wear it. I'll, I'll show you how to wear it actually. Many people are saying, we don't know how to wear it. I'm gonna show you how to wear it. So, you can wear it in two ways. Either you wear it on your head, like this. You go like this. It's very simple. Bring one end this way. There you go. So either you can wear it on your head. So you're uplifting the Palestinian cause. You're placing it on your head. And this is a reminder of Masjid Al-Aqsa. It's a reminder of Baytul Maqdis. It's a reminder of Ardul Muqaddasa. It's a reminder of the Ayah of the Quran. And you don't want to wear it on your head. It's no good in your cupboard. What's the point of it being in your cupboard? Very simple. Wear it at least around your neck. Don't chuck it on the floor because you'll forget about it. It'll be a silent reminder for you and for other people. Very simple. Put it like this. Very simple. Anybody can do this. You tie it around and you wear it like this. You've seen many people wearing it in this way. This is something at least we can do next week, inshallah. I want to see where most of us, inshallah, at least are representing the cause. Everybody will do this, inshallah. You'll be seeing people wearing poppies tomorrow and you'll go and wear one as well. You'll be seeing people wearing rainbows, right? You'll be seeing people doing things like this. This is a time when the ummah is in need of a reminder. We've become dead in regards to this cause. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revive us. Jazakumullahu khairan wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Please stand up in your places, fill in the gaps and keep moving forward.